Let's, let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for another opportunity we have to study your word. We are also grateful for the friendship that we are developing with one another. And Father, as we break the bread of life tonight, we pray for the Holy Spirit. We pray for understanding. We pray that we will be more ready than we were when we first came tonight. We want to live with you and to be with you forever. For that, we pray for your blessing tonight. We also pray for the computer, for the projection, that you may help in that regard as well. For we pray in Jesus' name. Let everyone say amen. amen. When we look the earth from the top, it's so beautiful. But when we come down, friends, when we come down, we come to the reality that there is suffering every single day in this earth. It might not be in our lives, but it's in somebody else's life. I just came from funeral, um, you know, an hour ago. And uh, this is happening all over the world. We see scenes such as this, this little boy uh, just not understanding what's happening with his mom. And uh, we cannot forget that this is reality that is happening every day. Um, yet the Bible says in the most famous verse of the Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not, what? perish but have everlasting life it's hard to reconcile you know the world is in chaos the way it is many things are happening in the world a lot of suffering yet the bible says that god so loved the world it's hard to understand how does that work if god is all powerful and if he is all loving why doesn't he stop all the suffering that is in the world? And friends, this is important for us to understand. If we really want to understand the issues in the, in the, in the controversy between Christ and Satan, we need to understand more about the character of God as well as the character of Satan because the central issue in the last days is worship. The central issue in the last days is what, everyone? worship okay so and we cannot worship someone that we cannot love does that make sense we only worship the things that we love okay and it's the same with god now let me take you to another slide over here notice here the question if god is so good why is the world what so bad this is the kind of questions that people are asking right there especially those who are not christians they are demanding answers they are asking christians you say that your god is a loving god that the bible says that god so loved the world but how about you know the chaotic things that we see in this world so much suffering and the bible continues to assure us that he is Love. This is Jeremiah, actually. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 3 says, I have done what? I have what? Loved you with what kind of love? Everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. If any of us here have given our lives to Christ, it's because he has drawn us with what, everybody? With love. He has not demanded worship from us. He has not forced us to worship. But he has drawn us with love. And how do we reconcile all that? It's hard, but we must wrestle with these questions and try to find a biblical answer for them. The truth is that prophecy reveals a struggle between two powers. What are they? 
good and evil. And I want to take you all the way to the book of Revelation. What book are we going from the Bible? Revelation chapter 12. Let's open up our Bibles there. Revelation chapter 12. That's one of the key books we're studying in our series. And it's so important, this topic, that the book of Revelation uh, raises the whole issue and help us to understand. Taking out the curtain, you know, taking out of what did I say, everyone? The curtain which separates the visible from the invisible world so we can understand what's going on behind the scenes. I want to read with you Revelation 12, and we are going to read uh, from verse 7 to verse 8. So the Bible says here, notice very carefully, of all places the Bible says, and war broke out where, everyone? In heaven. Of all places, war broke out in where? In heaven. That's what the Bible says. Then the Bible says, Michael and his what? Angels fought with the dragon. And by the way, that's Satan. We're going to see as we continue to read. And the dragon and who was in the sight of the dragon? His angels fought. And then the next verse says, but they, those are the dragon and the angels that sided with the dragon, and they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the dragon was cast out, that serpent. Who is the dragon? That serpent of old, called the what, everyone? The devil and Satan, who does what? Deceives the whole world. Friends, the Bible is very clear that uh, of all places there was war in heaven, and that war was between Michael and his angels and the dragon or Satan and his angels. And we're going to understand more about that. And let me say this for you, and I welcome, if you have a question about that, uh, we can answer tomorrow during the um, questions and answers. You know, Michael, the Bible says that he is an archangel. That's found uh, in, uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 16, Michael is the archangel. Archangel means the chief of the angels, the commander of the angels, okay? Um, and that's perfectly correct. If you understand that Michael is an angel, he's the chief of the angels, that's a, a correct answer. But we must go deeper. The name Michael means who is like God. What does it mean, Michael, everyone? Who is like God? You just go to the Hebrew language and you look it up in the concordance and you will see that Michael means who is like God. And we know who is like God. It's Jesus Christ. Okay, so Michael is Jesus Christ in the form of angel manifesting himself as an angel to the angels to be the chief of the angels. Just like when he came to the planet earth, how did he come? How did Jesus Christ came to this planet? Did he come as a God, yes or no? Did he come as an angel, yes or no? How did he come? As a human being, he became a baby, he grew up, he was a man as a human being. So Jesus Christ is the express image of the God the Father, and he expressed himself in the same level of his intelligent beings. Are you with me? So to the human family, he comes as a human being. To the angelic fa family, he comes as an angel. 
Michael is Jesus Christ. There was war in heaven. Jesus Christ and his angel. And I can, if you have any question about that, I can answer uh, more about Michael tomorrow. But we have in one side Jesus Christ with his angel. And then we have Satan with his angels. I want to read this slide for you very quickly here. Lucifer, that's the other name for the devil, deceived how many of the angels? One third of the angels and was cast out of heaven with them. And I told you it must be biblical, uh, you know, answers here tonight. How do we know that uh, Satan actually deceived one third of the angels of heaven? Notice what it says in chapter 12 in your Bibles. The same book, Revelation chapter 12. And we're going to read verse 4. Right in the middle of the verse, it's talking about this dragon, which is the old serpent, the devil. Revelation 12, verse 4, in the middle of the verse, the Bible says here, He is what, everyone? Tell drew a third of the what of heaven? Stars of heaven and drew them to the earth. And you say, oh, preacher, you're stretching the text. Here it says that he drew a third of the what of heaven? The stars. It doesn't say angels. But if you let the Bible interpret itself, you will see like in Revelation 1 verse 20, verses such as this. The seven stars are the seven what, everyone? Angels of the seven churches. No question is talking about a different thing, but it's showing that in Bible prophecy, a star is a symbol of a what, everyone? Of an angel. Is that clear, yes or no? So when the Bible says that the dragon... With his tail, drew one-third of the stars of heaven means that he drew one-third of the angels of heaven. Are we together? But it says that he used what part of his body to? The tail. So what does that mean? We must allow the Bible to interpret itself. It must be biblical answer. If you go to the book of Isaiah chapter 9 verse 15, if anyone wants to keep me accountable, you can go there quickly. But I must go quickly, especially because we lost a little bit of time in the beginning. So the prophet who teaches, what kind of uh, teachings? Lies, he is the tell. So how did the, the devil drew one-third of the angels from heaven? Through lies. And we need to understand that that's the method that Satan works. The war in heaven, I'm not going to deny that probably there was some form of physicality of taking the devil and the angels and throwing out of paradise, out of heaven. I'm not going to deny that. But I know that that war was primarily a war of arguments. A war of what, everyone? Arguments. arguments. Because the devil was fighting with lies to gain ground in heaven and we are going to explore some of those lies tonight and uh, why there was war in heaven friends one thing we must understand in the first place god did not create who a devil that's the first thing we need to understand Fortunately, the book of Ezekiel helped us to understand more, and I want to invite you to go there with me if you have your Bibles. Let's go to the book of Ezekiel. We are going to explore several verses in Ezekiel chapter 28. Okay, Ezekiel chapter 28, and we are going to begin in verse 12. It's going to talk about uh, the king of uh, Tyre, the king of 
Where, everyone? Tyre. Tyre. And uh, it's going to refer to the king of Tyre as Satan himself. And there is a reason the prophet is going to do that. And the reason is that the king of Tyre was being used by the devil. And he became a perfect symbol of the devil because he was under the influence of the devil. Notice carefully, and that will be clear in the text as we read. Let's begin here in verse 12 to see what the Bible says. Verse 12 says, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were what, everyone? The seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Three things we learn here about this being that is going to be more described throughout the chapter. We will see it's a reference to Lucifer, Satan. Okay, He became Satan, but he was perfect. He was full of wisdom, and he was beautiful. Full of wisdom, beautiful, and perfect. And then verse 14. Jump with me to verse 14. The Bible says in verse 14, You were the, what everyone? Anointed cherub. What does the word cherub refer to? It's one of the kinds of angels that God has created. So this is not talking about the literal king of Tyre. It's talking about the one who was controlling the life of the king of Tyre. And that was Satan himself. You were, you're no longer, but you were the anointed cherub. Who does what, everyone? Covers. That's important. Who covers? Friends, if you study the Hebrew sanctuary, what kind of sanctuary did I say? Hebrew sanctuary, and we're going to explore that in other nights. It was a copy of the sanctuary that God gave you know, to Moses. It was in heaven. God showed the true tabernacle, and he says, go ahead and build a replica. Build a what, everyone? A replica, and in that replica, there was in the most holy place of the sanctuary an ark. A what, everyone? An ark, and that ark had like a lid, and on top of the lid, there was two angels, two cherubim, covering the ark. And right in the middle, between those two angels, you have what was called the Shekinah of a glory. The manifestation of God. Friends, Satan was one of those angels. He was the covering cherub. He was next to God. And notice what it says here. I established you. That was God speaking. I made you. You were one of the holy. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. Notice what it says in verse 15. You were what, everyone? Perfect in your ways from the day you were created till something happened in, your, in his heart. Iniquity was found in you. Friends, question for you. Did God create the devil, yes or no? He created who? Lucifer. A perfect being, full of wisdom, beautiful, who had plenty of talents and privilege to the point to be next to the throne of God. But something happened in his life that he corrupted himself. And we're going to see here 
in chapter 28 and verse 17. Read with me verse 17. It says, your heart was what, everyone? Lifted up. What does that mean, your heart was lifted up? What is another word for that? He became proud, right? His heart was lifted up. For what cause? Because of your beauty, you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. So he began to look to himself and he began to see, I'm actually very wise. I'm actually very talented. I'm actually very beautiful. And I'm actually next to the throne of God. And he began to become what? Proud. Proud. Pride was the reason that Lucifer became Satan. The word Satan means the adversary. The what, everyone? Adversary. That's the meaning of the word Satan. He became the adversary. He wasn't the adversary. He was an angel of light. Lucifer, angel of light, but he became the adversary. I want to take you now to the book of Isaiah chapter 14. Let's go there to Isaiah chapter 14. It gives more insights. It's before Ezekiel, okay? Before Jeremiah, we have the book of Isaiah. In chapter 14, give us more insights of what actually happened in the heart of this angelic, perfect being that God created and gave him so many privileges. In Isaiah 14, verse 12, we find this. And it's really a mystery. Why did he sin? Even the Bible brings that out. Look how it starts in verse, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. It's really inquiring, how did that happen? How was it possible? And then he gives the reason in verse 13. Notice, I want you to count with me in verse 13 the word, how many times Lucifer say the word I. Okay, notice carefully here, verse 14. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above what, everyone? The stars of heaven. What does star mean again in Bible prophecy? The angels. He wanted to be on top of the angels. And in fact, he had already received a lot of influence over the angels, but he wanted to be above all of them, including Michael, the one who was like God, the chief of the angels. He wanted to be above Michael. And that was why he was fighting against Michael. Notice what it says here. And then it goes on to say, um, I will also, where am I here? I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. And then it goes on, I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. That's where the throne of God is located. And then it says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like who? Most the Most High. Do you see this phrase? I will be like the Most High. Like, who is like the Most High? It's Michael. The name Michael means, you know, like God. Who he is like God. He wanted to be like Michael. He wanted the place of Michael. He wanted to be in the top. Here we have a quick summary. Lucifer, he desired a higher position, an exalted throne, rulership, and what, everyone? Dominance, okay? He wanted to be in charge. He basically had a problem with the government of God. He says, I think I will do a better job than you. That's what he's saying. 
and I want to do whatever I can to take your place. Is that a serious matter, yes or no? That's the crime of, is, is that treason, the word? Yes. That's the crime of treason. The highest crime against the government of God. He was basically saying, I'm not satisfied with the way you rule the universe, and I have a better way of doing things. And he began to spread rumors among the angels, all his deceptions, and through his deceptions, he was able to have one-third of the angels on his side. And the good news is, the greater side is in our side. We have two-thirds of the angels plus the God of heaven. Would you say amen for that? So let's go on here in our study. Yet the Bible continues to say in 1 John 4, 8, God is what, everyone? Love. Friends, there is a characteristic of love that we cannot deny. Love is the foundation of God's government. Can we force someone to love, yes or no? Let's just imagine somebody came inside this room here tonight with a gun and the person came to all of us and said, listen, if you don't stand up, if anyone here doesn't stand up, I'm going to kill that person. Would you stand up? No, no, listen, there is no sin in standing up. There is no problem in standing up. I would be the first one. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm already standing here. Okay. I'm not going to die because of that. I'll stand, no problem. <laughs> You know, and uh, if the person says, can you like uh, go in circle and maybe, you know, bark like a dog, I'll tell you, I'll be the first one doing that. I don't want to lose my life for that. But if that person said to me, if you don't love me, I'm going to kill you, can I actually do that? Can love be forced? Can love be demanded? No, friends. Love must be earned, must be um, what's the word? Deserved or some, uh, I was going to say conquered, but that's not the better word. It's um, reciprocate, yes, but earned. Let's, let's stay with that word, okay? So let me read this for you. Love was all around Lucifer, but Lucifer turned away from love. Ezekiel 28, we were there just a little bit ago, says, You have set your heart as the heart of what, everyone? of a God. That's what he wanted. He despised all the love that God had for him and he decided to become selfish, self-centered, proud, and take all the glory to himself. Lucifer challenged God's government in heaven. And uh, how would God face Lucifer's challenge? And we need to wrestle, uh, wrestle with this question. Why not eliminate evil before it spread to other worlds? Are you following? Did you hear this question? Read very carefully. Why not eliminate what, everyone? Evil before it does what? Spread to all the world, other worlds. Wouldn't that make sense? You know, you have a, a problem happening. Uh, perhaps uh, in a company there was a certain issue going on. Why not to eliminate the issue before it becomes bigger? And you do away with the problem, it's all done. Maybe nobody even noticed that. Okay, so why didn't God do that? He is all powerful, all wise, 
And he knew the end from the beginning. And he could have said, listen, I eliminated it. If one day an angel came, oh, by the way, where's Lucifer? I haven't seen him around. And God says, uh, uh, I, I killed him. You know, I eliminated him. You what? I mean, I did that because he was really evil. He was what? He, what is evil? You don't know what evil? No, I don't know. I have never experienced evil in my life. Like, what is, is that something, you know, they probably don't even know the word evil. Where is Lucifer, God? And all the angels, I'm just putting a picture here. never happened that way, but all the angels are like, what happened? You know, he didn't want to follow the rules here. He wasn't happy with my government. Is that how it is? If we are unhappy with you of anything, you kill us? Are you, are you following the problem that would be if God had done away with Satan on the spot? And we need to understand the ramification of all that because it's about worship. Would the angels be able to worship God after knowing that Lucifer had been killed for something that they don't even know what it is? Would they still trust God and love Him or would they be fearful from, here He comes. Let's be sure we don't do anything wrong because we are going to disappear like Lucifer. Do you see the problematic here? And we need to wrestle with this. Because that helps us to answer the question, why a God of love allows suffering and sin, even though He is all-powerful and could cut away sin or suffering just like that? We will try to answer this question tonight. Let's move on here. The next slide says, what this would have said to all the watching angels. We kind of elaborated on that already. God chose what kind of course? A wiser course. He understands, friends, that love cannot be demanded. And, uh, and God cannot be even programmed. Cannot be what, everyone? Let's just put another picture here because we need to wrestle with this, this issue, friends. We really need. Let's just imagine that God created all of us thinking that we have the choice to love Him and worship Him. But in reality, we don't really have that choice. He created us to always love Him and worship Him and to make us think that we have a choice. But we don't have. Just think of that scenario. We would be all happy, but would God himself be happy with that kind of worship and love? Did you know that I can program my computer to say to me every morning when I, I wake up, I love you? Did you know I can do that? A person can pro program the computer to tell him every morning, every night, I love you. Would I be satisfied with that kind of love? You know, about 11 years ago, it was the best, you know, the nicest wedding that I ever attended. 
It was my wedding, by the way. <laughs> and I was there, and then it came this beautiful bride walking, and she's right there, by the way. <laughs> and uh, when it came the time when the minister said, you know, read the vows, and she needed to say, I do, you know what he said, she said? It's unbelievable. She said, I do, you know. <laughs> That's why we are together. You know, it's, it's hard to believe, but she said that. You know, she said, I do. And it, it, you know why it was so special for me? Because she could have said, I don't. She had the choice, did she not? Love is only special if there is choice involved. In reality, I shouldn't even say that. Love only exists if there is what involved? Choice. And that's why God created intelligent beings with the capacity to choose. To worship Him or not. To love or to be selfish. To follow His ways or to deny His ways. He gave that capacity, including for Lucifer... And he allowed him to follow his choice. And he allowed him to unfold his rebellion and follow his path. Notice here this slide. It says here, how did planet Earth become involved in the cosmic conflict? If we go back to the book of Genesis, you can turn your Bibles there in Genesis chapter 3. We uh, normally, most people are well familiar with the story of Genesis, but if you're not, that's okay. Just a quick reminder here. God created the earth, and then when he created the earth, he did something different. He created there several trees for the human family to partake and to eat, but there was only one single tree that he was not supposed to eat, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And why did God put that tree there? He knew, being God, what would, have, you know, what would happen and what actually happened. Why did he put that tree there? Choice. The ability to choose is also the ability to love. There can be no true love without the ability of choice. Freedom. The freedom to choose. We know that Eve made the wrong choice. The deceiver, that's how Satan goes to war. Notice Satan here going to war. Using a median, using a what everyone? A median, the serpent. Of course serpents don't speak, but he uses a median. And, and then the serpent says, you will not surely what everyone? Die. That was a lie. It was a lie. The serpent said, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, you, your eyes will be open, and you will be like what? Like God knowing good and evil. In other words, he was implying that God was deceiving them. God was doing what to them? This, God doesn't want you to eat. It's not because you're going to die. It's because he doesn't want you to be like him. What was Satan doing with the character of God? He was 
somebody say, said uh, assassinating there, and that's very true, but he was, you know, damaging the reputation of God. God by the way, the God that created you and you serve is a liar. He's so selfish that he doesn't want you to eat of this tree because he doesn't want you to become like him and he is keeping you blind. Your eyes will be opened. When the serpent broke Eve's trust in what God had told her, now she couldn't love God anymore and be loyal to him and she easily disobeyed God. And God allowed. God allowed that to happen. Because love can only exist where freedom exists. Notice, in the book of John 14, 30, I'll just show this slide. It's a common verse says, this is Jesus speaking. I will not speak much more with you for the ruler of where? Of the world, that's Satan, is coming and he has nothing in me. That is Satan. He became the ruler of this world when he conquered Adam and Eve. They were the rulers. They were the prince. He was the prince and the princess of this world. Satan now is in charge. Satan is in charge and God allowed that to happen. He allowed because he was given free will. Because he believes that love must have a place in his government. Would you say amen for that? What must have place in the government of God? Love. In order to love, there is risks involved. There are risks involved. I had two children, and I knew, and I know that they have the freedom to not love me and to not really follow my convictions of the Word of God. And yet I made it. I decided to have a children with my wife. Of course, we prayed about it and we saw the Lord leading in that direction. And we had two children. But we know that they have the choice. And I need to win their hearts so that I can have their friendship once they grow up. If I rule them with a fist of iron and they, they, they are subject to me now, they obey me now because I'm you know, like a dictator to them, they will be all obedient to me. But the day they turn 18, they are gone. They are gone. Are you following? And God knows that. And He tries to draw us, to draw us with love and compassion and mercy. Now, notice, notice carefully here. I want to share with you this verse. Revelation 12. Let's go back there. Revelation 12 Verse 9, it gives us hope there again. Revelation 12 and verse 9. Notice carefully what it says here. So the dragon, the great dragon, was cast out. Praise God for that. He was cast out. That serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who does what to the whole world? deceives the whole world so we often try to blame God for all the problems that we see in the world but who should we be blaming it's Satan himself and of course we should be blaming ourselves as well because we follow whatever he presents to us we go away from the word of God and we follow the suggestions of Satan we reap the consequences of that 
Notice what it says here in the Bible, Romans 5, 12. You can stay in Revelation there, 12, for, for a little bit, unless you want to go to Romans 12. But it says, Therefore, just as through how many men? One man sin entered the world, and what else entered into the world? Death through sin, thus death spread to how many men? All men because all sinned. Now when it says death, he is not only talking about like literal death, he's talking everything that caused death came through sin, through the choice of a man. And then our nature has been corrupted and and uh, prune to follow the inclinations of the flesh, the temptations of Satan, and it came all the consequences and the evil. We should be blaming Satan and we should be blaming ourselves for all the problems in the world. The truth is, friend, that sin produces what, everyone? Anxiety, fear, suffering, death. Who is responsible? Satan and ourselves. Notice this conversation over here. It's an interesting conversation. So, this young man, so why do you allow things like famine and war and suffering, disease, crime, homelessness, um, despair, etc., exist in our world? And then just interesting that you should bring that up. I was about to ask you that exact same question. Why do you allow? You know, all the divorces and, the, you know, the, through our, our evil tempers that we must allow the Holy Spirit to subdue. We have all problems in the families and, you know, and that affects a bunch in the community. Who is to blame? Friends, I want to take you to Matthew chapter 13. Let's go there to Matthew chapter 13. Jesus told a parable. Jesus told what, everyone? A parable and help us to understand what was actually happening. The parable was about a farmer. What, everyone? A farmer that he went to his field to plant, uh, you know, the best plantation and to have the best harvest as possible. And he only seeded good seed. What kind of seed, everyone? Good seed. But when uh, it grew up, he noticed that uh, there was something else that grew together with a good seed. Yes. So let's see here what it says in verse 28. Notice what it says. You know, all his helpers come to him and say, What happened? You planted good seeds. Why do we see, you know, the tares and, and all the bad stuff growing together? He said to them, Who did it? An enemy has done this. Friends, when Jesus tells a parable about the introduction of evil into this world through a parable, he takes no ownership for evil. And we shouldn't be blaming God for all the evil and suffering that is in the world. Because he said very clear, an enemy has done this. It's not myself. He's not responsible for all the suffering, all the calamities, all the problems that we see in the world. Why doesn't God do something? People are still asking there, okay, it's Satan. Okay, it's my own choices many times. But why is God not doing something? Is he not really doing anything? He has. He wants to conquer the devil. He has given his life 
in the cross of Calvary to make a way for us to escape. In Genesis 3.15, we have the first prophecy. The first what, everyone? The first prophecy of the Bible. Just as powerful, I should say even more powerful than this one. And it's found in Genesis 3.15. You're welcome to go there. I have here in the slide. Notice the prophet. This is God speaking. I will put what, everyone? Enmity between you and the woman, Satan and the woman, and between your seed and uh, her, what everyone? Seed. seed. Notice it's capitalized. Who is the seed of the woman? That's Jesus. It's a promise of a redeemer that would come through the seed of the woman. That God would provide someone through the seed of the woman to provide redemption. He shall do what, everyone? The seed of the woman. Bruise the head of Satan. Would you say amen for that? He will bruise, friends, and notice what Satan will do with Christ. And you, that's the serpent, God is speaking to the serpent, shall bruise his what, everyone? Heel. In other words, when Christ was bruising the head of the serpent, by giving his life on the cross of Calvary, to break away the power of sin and the delusions of Satan, that God is not a God of love, that if you rebel against him, there is no second chance. And he's saying here, there is second chance. You despise not only a second chance, but a third, a fourth, a fifth, and so many chances we gave to you. And I'm extending second chance to the human race as well. And he dies on the cross of Calvary for an atonement for sin. People are still wondering why doesn't God do something if he loves us. He has. On the third day, he rose from the dead. He was resurrected, breaking the power of death. Breaking the power of what, everyone? Death. That through his resurrection, we can be resurrected. Though we die, we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Friends, the Bible is very clear. Romans 3.23, I, I need to fly here because of the time. For how many have sinned? All have sinned. All of us, no exception. And fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23, what do we deserve? Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is what, everyone? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, He is doing something. According to what we deserve, we should be dead and disappear because of our rebellion. That's what we deserve, okay? You want to be apart from life? I am the source of life. I give you life. I sustain your life. You don't want me? Okay, I'm gone. And then we're there by ourselves and then we die. We die. But that's not what God did. He's doing something. Hebrews 4, 15, 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. For what purpose? He says, let us therefore come, what? Boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain, what, everyone? Mercy. Do we need mercy from God? Yes or no? We all, deserve, uh, we all need forgiveness. To help... And then it says, and find grace to help in time of need when we are tempted. Friends, but the Bible says more. It says that eventually God will stop the hand of Satan. He will 
destroys Satan himself, and we go back to the book of Revelation, now chapter 20. What chapter, everyone? 20. Revelation chapter 20, the last book of the Bible. And we are in Revelation chapter 20, verse 10. There is a promise here for us, and we must hold on on the promise of God. He is doing something. He wants to destroy evil, and he will. It says here in verse 10, are you there, everyone? It says, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. God is promising to destroy the devil. Notice what it says in Ezekiel 28, verse 18 and 19. Therefore I brought fire from your midst. It, what is the next word, everyone? Devour you, and I turn you to, what, everyone? Ashes upon the earth. You have become a horror and shall be, what, everyone? No more. For how long? Forever. Friends, as we close tonight, the fruit of evil, the fruit of, of what, everyone? needs to be fully manifested. Fully what, everyone? Manifested. Why? Just, just imagine if I have two plants over here right in front of me, one of tomatoes and another one of um, peppers, green peppers. And let's just imagine you didn't know the difference between the two, okay? Let's just uh, imagine here for now for a moment. And I told you, this is tomatoes. And then I tell this is um, green peppers. And you say, but I don't believe it. I say, okay, let them grow, let them develop, and let them bear what? Fruit, and you're going to see it. And then you say, oh, you're right. This is truly a tomato plant. Are you following? And God is saying, let evil develop, let evil unfold, show its true character, because once I destroy Satan, no one will be questioning why you did that. God is wise, wiser than we think. And He is in the business of saving, not only destroying, and then creating a bigger mass. The whole universe is now concerned about this dictator God. But He wants the universe to know that He's a God of love. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.